1: And welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry. And with me today in studio is Father Don Fite, currently administrator of Little Flower Church in Middle Branch. Welcome, Father. Good morning, Tim. It's good to be with you today. Yeah, it's good to to see you again. We're continuing our discussion from the UCAT, the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church, about what we believe as Catholics, and we've been talking about the Holy Eucharist. And uh, question 215 asks... Who leads the celebration of the Eucharist? And Tim, if you thought I would
2: say the priest does, I'll surprise you in a way. I won't surprise you, but maybe some would be surprised when I say it's always Jesus himself huh, who leads the Eucharist. Now, uh, any bishop, any priest who leads the Eucharist is really there as a representative of Christ. We have an old Latin phrase in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. And uh, the the, the the bishop or the priest who uh, presides at the altar of sacrifice is doing it in the person of Christ. It's He who is leading each celebration of the Mass.
1: So, Father, would it be safe to say that as Catholics, everything the Catholic Church does is Christ-centered, as opposed to maybe Bible-centered, where certainly the Bible is a part of it, but certainly everything that we do as Catholics is Christ-centered. That's would that right. be a good good I way of putting you could it? Say that, uh, e- even a, 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 the Bible
2: is the Word, and the Word is Christ, huh? as St. John said so well. So, really, it is Christ. And we would not want to emphasize only the Word to the exclusion of
1: sacrament. It's, again, not either or, it's both and. Okay. Well said, Father. Question 216 asks In what way is Christ there when the Eucharist is celebrated? I guess we must rely on the Catechism's
2: answer Christ is mysteriously present. It's a mystery. It's not something I'll ever totally understand at all, or even uh, hardly at all. But a mystery is a divine reality that I accept because Christ says so. I believe and uh, so it's he's mysteriously there uh, when he presides at the Eucharist but he's really there too correct absolutely yeah mystery does not mean something that isn't real it's so real that it's it's beyond our understanding how could Jesus be here at this mass at your parish church and at the same time somewhere else he's also present there Uh, that's a mystery but it's a true one Jesus is always with us when we share the breaking of the bread
1: well, I think uh, St. Augustine said that uh, at the last supper Jesus held himself in his own hands. I never thought of that, never heard that quote from St. Augustine. Yes. Because again, that's uh-huh. a question that I've gotten from uh, some Catholics as well as non-Catholics about helping, you know, to understand the reality of Jesus mm. truly being present body, blood, soul, and divinity. Yes. You know, how could Christ do that? How could God do that? My answer is God can do anything. I mean, he's all-powerful. That's right. And again, I don't understand every last detail, but as you said, Christ taught it, we believe it. That's right. So I I love how you said that, Father. So what happens in the church when she celebrates the Eucharist? Every time the church celebrates
2: the Eucharist, we are, as we said a couple days ago, we are standing there before the source from which we receive our life. So what happens is we take the body and blood of Christ into ourselves so that we might become what we receive. You know, uh, in in, uh, normal eating, when I eat something, it becomes me, uh, the breakfast, the lunch, the supper. But this time, I become what I eat. Uh, I become Christ. I become a part of his body. Um, So uh, uh, we actually are... Transformed is the word I like uh, that's right here in the Catechism. If we really offer ourselves in this sacrament, if we come with an open heart uh, and a surrendering heart, uh, we are transformed because Jesus transforms us into his saints. Uh, We become pleasing to God uh, and we become what he is. He said, I'm the bread of life. And then he sends us forth. And now we are the bread of life to others.
1: St. Augustine also said, you are what you eat. And again we hear that so much when we eat maybe donuts or sweets. Mm-hmm. But this refers to the Eucharist that as we receive Jesus. And again, it's important to understand too we receive it. We don't take communion. That's right. It's a gift that's offered and we receive it. And uh, that's right. Even in the
2: way we choose whether we receive on the tongue Eastern Christians do that, uh, Eastern Catholics. But uh, even for those of us who have re- the permission of our bishop uh, to receive in the hand, we're never to take the host from the minister. Uh, we are to open our hand, as Saint Cyril of Jerusalem said, "Put your hands in the form of a cross, you know, and then open your the top hand and receive." your Lord, and then take him into yourself. But we have to be reminded that we are receiving a great, great gift.
1: Right. And and again, I think it's uh, a good time to point out here that Christ never forces himself on us, but he offers us himself, and it's up to us to be able to receive and to say yes to his free gift of life and free gift of grace. Amen. Uh, another thing that maybe we can talk about real quick here, Father, is is the word transubstantiation. Uh, that's that's actually a, a word that only refers to one thing, and that's what happens when the priest says the words of consecration. Could you talk about that for a couple of minutes, please? Sure. I could just say that
2: um, when I was ordained, I knew that the church believed, and I was to believe, that when I said the words of consecration, that I would be able to transform to change what is present before me, it's just wine. It's just a little host or a piece of bread. But it won't be after the words of Jesus. It will be the body and blood of Christ. So we believe there's a change of substance. That's the, the, the root word there, huh? In transubstantiation. There is a new substance here. It's Jesus. I am receiving Jesus, so when I say to you, body of Christ, blood of Christ, I want you to say amen, saying, I believe. This is not just a symbol of Jesus. This is truly my Lord. To think that I'm holding the Lord of the universe, the Savior of the world, in my hand, on my tongue, in my heart, it's just incredible, isn't it, Tim?
1: It is. Uh, I remember debating a Protestant minister one time publicly about the Eucharist, and his comment to me was, it looks like bread. It smells like bread Mm -hmm. it tastes like bread but it's jesus and i said that's exactly what the jews said when they watched christ walk on the earth Mm -hmm. he walks like a man he talks like a man he looks like a man Uh but he's god Uh so it's exactly the same parallel we can't let our senses trick us but again faith is believing something that we can't necessarily prove scientifically that's right and, yeah, you're referring to the
2: Incarnation. He became, the Word became man. The Word became flesh. And so he always uses signs. Could he come to us without the sacraments, without the Eucharist, uh, just if I open my heart? Why do I have to take him in, in, in this form, uh, in this sacrament that appears to be bread and wine? Because we are sensual people, and we are, our faith grows when we uh, see
1: and touch uh, well, who is the Lord. Okay. Uh, Question 218 asks, what is the right way to honor the Lord present in the bread and the wine? Certainly, uh, to honor the Lord is to give
2: him reverence. And so we Catholics have always said we should come before the Lord uh, with a reverence. Uh, There's a certain something. When people come into our churches, they'll often tell me, Father, I don't know what it is about this church. Uh, I just sense a presence. And um, uh, many times we would say, well, he is present here. And we would point to the tabernacle, that little house uh, where communion bread is kept. That wasn't the earliest custom of the church, but it didn't take long for us to have tabernacles for two reasons. Number one, there was a response to the fact that some people couldn't be there because they were sick or working, whatever. But if they wanted Eucharist at another time, uh, the deacons of the church, particularly those, um, were the ones who were authorized first to, to help the priest or the apostle to get communion. Uh, so uh, we revered the presence of Jesus so much, that after Mass we kept it in a precious box. But then that little tabernacle box also became a place where people said, Father, could I come and pray here? If this is Jesus, couldn't I pray here? So we have that very strong uh, way of honoring the Lord. By just coming to pray, we call that adoration prayer because the highest form of prayer is to adore the Lord. And we want to come in a door. Uh, I remember being fascinated as a boy by St. Martin of Perez. He was that uh, man of Lima, Peru, uh, a, brother, um, a Dominican brother who served the poor by day, but then knew that he needed to stay close to Jesus to keep on doing this. And so since his day was pretty busy, ministering to the sick and the slaves and everything, he would, um, he would sneak out of his bed after the other friars were asleep, and he would go down to the chapel and sometimes other friars saw him there, deep in the night, still at prayer before the tabernacle. Many hours of the night, that was a gift St. Martin showed, and uh, more and more churches, uh, those who li- listen to Living Bread Radio, huh, they hear invitation from so many churches, come and be in adoration with us before Jesus.
1: And doesn't that also go back to the Old Testament times when they had the temple and the Ark of the Covenant? Um, Very similar. The Ark of the Covenant held the manna that had come down from heaven as well as the Ten Commandments.
2: But it wasn't quite the same because the manna wasn't Jesus there. The Ten Commandments were not Jesus. Uh, They were symbols of the Lord's presence among his people. But now we have the Lord himself. So how can we but give him reverence? So the way we dress, the way we speak, just everything about the way we carry ourselves in a Catholic church an Orthodox Church, too, uh, we show a a deep reverence
1: for His presence. Question 219 asks, how often must a Catholic Christian participate in the celebration of the Eucharist? Our church
2: quickly decided that if Easter is our greatest day of celebration, doesn't the Lord's Day Continue the new covenant, the new celebration, the new creation. Uh, we have been born again. There's, there's a whole new beginning. Uh, so we quickly said, let us make the day of resurrection the day of our rest, the day of our worship. And uh, as we were unable now to have for, for so long, there was a rift between ourselves and those still worshiping God in the synagogues, uh, Christians began to gather on Sunday. And so our church has said, Sunday is the day, every Sunday, to come to the Lord and spend time in the celebration of the Eucharist.
1: Okay. And uh, finally, question 222 asks, may the Eucharist be administered to non-Catholic Christians also? Um, usually that would not be done because it doesn't show yet the
2: Eucharist is certainly a communion we use that word communion a unity in faith we don't always have that yet with the other Christians so because we don't we see that we need to work toward that unity so It can be an expression of what it's supposed to be. There could be some rare times when a Christian who believes in the real presence is not yet a member of the Catholic household of the faith, could ask for the sacrament because they have no access from their own pastor and believe that there is a real presence. So occasionally that could happen, but normally it would not.
1: And another reason that we don't, uh, Father Joe from our parish explained it this way, when you receive the Eucharist, you're saying yes to everything the Catholic Church teaches. Yes. And if you're not in communion, then you're contradicting by receiving the Holy Eucharist. We're
2: pretending we're in full unity, and we are not yet. So certainly we remember the words of Jesus. Uh, pray, I pray, Father, that they might become one. And so, even when we can't share communion, we better be praying that we will again become one. For that,
1: we pray. Good point. Every day we should pray for Christian unity. That's right. Well, we've been listening to Father Don Fight. Thank you, Father, for your insight into the Holy Eucharist as we go through the UCAT, the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church, about what we believe as Catholics about the Holy Eucharist. This has been Tim Perry, your host. Until next time, God bless you.
0: This has been Faith with Father